Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of the Addiction Help podcast, where we discuss the latest in news, sports, and entertainment as it pertains to the world of addiction, addiction recovery, and mental health. As always, I am your host, Dan Hauser. And then, of course, with me as well is Jessica Miller, editorial director of addictionhelp.com. Jess, how's it going? Good morning. I'm tired today. <laughs> we'll be talking about that later today. Were you up late playing your games again last night? Um, it's possible. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is definitely possible. Well, because of the because of the run that the Heat and the Panthers are on currently in the playoffs, I feel like I haven't slept in a month. So, you know, I'm at a point now where I'm just this feels normal now. So I don't even know if I'm I, I've passed the point of tired to just whatever this is now. <laughs> so. Sort of zombieing through life. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Luckily, we get a night off tonight. We're recording this on a Friday because uh, the Panthers already took care of business and clinched. So maybe I'll actually sleep tonight. That's a novel, novel concept. But uh, anyway, <laughs> back to the episode at hand today. <laughs> and all everyone who's listening is probably like, all right, we get it, guys. Get, a, get it on with it already. <laughs> um, so for those of you who didn't immediately turn this off the second we started talking about our nerdy stuff, uh, thank you for sticking with us and listening as always. Uh, please make sure to like, subscribe, rate, review, leave comments, concerns, questions, all those fun things. Um, if you haven't already, go ahead and listen to last week's episode and share with us how you did on the quiz. If you did listen, please tell us how you did on the quiz, especially if you beat me. Because if you beat me, that's pretty uh, pretty impressive and we definitely want to know impressive. about that because we want to give you your props and shout you out on the show so if you beat me last week especially tell us let us know but uh today's episode is going to be another one like last week where we're going to kind of stick to one overall theme and the theme of this week's episode is going to be behavioral addiction so with that jess i'm going to let you kick us off and kind of give us a little overview on behavioral addiction and whatnot. So for those of listeners who may not be overly familiar with it, so that way they kind of have an idea of what it is before we get into the, the meat of today's podcast. Great. Thank you. So behavioral addiction is something that is very commonly misunderstood. And, you know, people don't necessarily see it in the same vein as they see substance addiction. So we've talked on the show already about like addiction to alcohol, to opiates, to a lot of the kind of big things, even caffeine, you know, nicotine, things that you would think of when you think of addiction. You don't necessarily think of behavioral addictions, but it's something that socially we kind of talk about a lot. Uh, we joke about a lot. Um, Dan and I were joking a, a couple minutes ago about my uh, playing video games, and that can be a category of behavioral addiction. So behavioral addiction essentially the way that it happens, and it can happen, it is a real thing. When you are doing a repeated behavior, and there are some very common ones, gambling um, is a big one. There's shopping addiction, exercise addiction, sex addiction even. There are behaviors that you perform. And when we do these activities, we get that hit of dopamine. And dopamine is the chemical that our brain makes that makes us feel good. It's, it's designed to help us continue doing certain behaviors, right? It's, it's our brain is telling us that was good. Do more of that. And, you know, as an aside, people like Dan and I with ADHD, our brains don't manage dopamine the way it's supposed to. So, you know, that causes like different issues and, you know, can be a whole interesting conversation. But when it comes with to that behavioral... Is, oh, go ahead. But with that as well, though, too. So 
for people like us, sometimes those things were for others might be done at unhealthy levels. For us, it can be great outlets. You know, we talked about a couple episodes ago where you asked me about outlets and when I was telling my story, some of these things for us are are healthy outlets. And we'll get more into healthy versus unhealthy in a minute. Didn't mean to cut you off, but just no. since you brought up the whole ADHD thing, I just wanted to kind of throw yeah, that in really Yeah, that's a great point. Place. So, Thank you. Yeah, so um, to Dan's point, there are forms of behaviors and habits and hobbies that are healthy. And when it gets to a certain level, it becomes an addiction. Perfect example. I really love video games. Uh, for those of you who are also fellow gamers or know anything about me at all, I know some of my friends uh, do listen to this. The new Zelda game came out, I think, two weeks ago now. Has it been two weeks? Yeah, it's been two weeks. Tears of the Kingdom, it is so good. And so for me, that gives me, we joke, it's the happy brain juice. It gives me the dopamine. I love playing it. And, it, you know, it's so fun. And, like, was I absolutely up playing last night? Yes. Yes, I was. I finished work around, like, 9, 930. Because, you know, I write. So I, I kind of work weird hours. And I sat down to play, like, for a couple hours. And my husband fell asleep on the couch. He's usually much he's much better at being like time aware and i swear to you dan it was, i looked at the clock i'm like i'm just gonna finish these couple of shrines and do this one little quest it was 2 30 and i'm like why i knew i had to get up early this morning <laughs> but like what is the line is that an addiction or is that me making maybe not such a good choice well and and that's where behavioral addiction i feel like differs to an extent from substance addiction because Yes, there are certain substances that we've talked about that are readily available and are technically legal, especially when we talk about <laughs> caffeine and prescription medications as well, too, where they're being taken for good reasons. And then it, we, it can slowly devolve into a, an addiction situation with behavioral addiction. It's um, There's such a fine, fine line because for the most part, Behavioral addictions involve activities that are healthy when done in moderation. We talked about exercise. I mean, on a daily basis, I'm pretty sure people go to the doctor and they're like, you need to exercise more or on TV. You know, ex but exercise is a very, very good thing. We know that, you know, for the most, I mean, video games can be a great way to get your mind off of the stresses of life and be a good outlet. You know, we even talk about social media in, in the Internet. Obviously, the Internet is vital to our lives these days people who are if you're listening to this right now you're listening to it in some form of the internet whether it's over your phone or on your computer or on youtube you need some form of data or the internet to be even listening to this right now you know it's a very touchy subject you and i have obviously had private conversations before you and i have both written about it before when we talk about sex and porn addiction like those activities are not bad or over overall they're not bad or evil um but like everything else, there's such a fine line. And once you cross that line, might be very, very tough to go back. And in addition to that, too, you may not even necessarily realize that you have crossed that line. Because like we said, for the most part, these activities are normal. Nobody looks down upon them. In some cases, they're even healthy for you when you talk about eating healthy foods or exercise or whatnot. So sometimes it can be really tough to say, oh, wow, this thing that's supposed to be good for me or okay for me or acceptable for me might not actually be healthy and okay for me after all right like you know look at 
look at me. I am a good example of somebody who is participating in a hobby that's, you know, being a little bit of a, a nut about it right now, like staying up really late, playing the video game. But at what point does that constitute a problem? You know, when somebody is addicted to a substance, let's just say alcohol, for example, and, you know, it, be, it starts to become pretty obvious to at least those around them when it's become a problem because it, it's so much more clear when it's impacting their lives. Whereas, you know, behavioral addictions, when does it when does it shift from a craze or, you know, something that you're really into going to the gym, for instance, when does that go from being like, wow, they're a gym rat to, Hey, maybe this is not healthy. And there, there is no very clear cut and dry answer, but to, to kind of give an answer, cause I don't want to leave you guys all hanging. It's basically like Dan said, you know, everything in moderation, when it begins to impact your day-to-day -day life, when you are beginning to choose this activity regularly over what is good and healthy for you that is when you need to start considering that this is a problem so to use you specifically as an example in your story so you played zelda until 2 or 2 30 in the morning like you Whoops. like you were like oh my gosh it's so late but you're up right now you're awake we're doing this podcast we're both you're you're gonna go about your workday normally had you texted me this morning and been like, hey, you know what? I'm just not feeling it this morning or I didn't sleep great last night or whatever. I can't do a steak and we reschedule, you know, basically coming up with an excuse for the fact that you were up all night. You know, that could be a indication or a sign that, OK, maybe I've crossed that line now because it's now affecting my ability to work. It's affecting my exactly. ability to do complete my responsibilities that I have in a day. It's affecting my ability to essentially live and go about my life in a, in a normal way. And so there, there is a specific example to what your story right there and what we just talked about is, is that didn't happen today, but had that happened, it might have been like, oh, wait a minute, maybe this isn't a healthy, fun thing for me to do anymore. Right. And even then, you know, once in a while, we're going to, we're humans, right? Well, we of like course, things, of course, yeah. dopamine yeah, makes yeah. us happy. So we're going to, to do things repeat to assess. Repeat we're going to drink too much. We're going to stay up too late. We're going to, you know, make mistakes or, or make our choices and whatever. But like, if I was constantly putting things off, um, and, you know, choosing, choosing playing video games over spending time with my friends, uh, obsessing over the video game. And that became the primary focus of my life, you know, exercise addiction to use that as another example, you know, if I'm at the gym constantly, constantly to the point that I'm maybe causing injury to my body, things like that, that you're, you're just prioritizing this behavior over everything else. That is when it becomes a true addiction. And, you know, interestingly, um, the DSM-5, we talk about this sometimes, but that's basically the big tome, the big uh, American Psychological Association's book of brain stuff that explains, you know, the diagnosis, yeah, book of brain stuff, TM. You get, you um, get the technical terms here, folks. I'm, folks, last you know, week it was the Sandy thing. This Sam, week it's brain. Sam Turner, yep. Yeah, this My week mom's it's been brain stuff. About that. <laughs> I'm really good at words. What can I say? Um, <laughs> so in the DSM-5, they list the, list the diagnostic criteria for all kinds of mental health conditions from, you know, depression, anxiety to behavioral addiction. But currently, they only recognize in that book uh, gambling addiction. And I, I want to point out that it doesn't mean that the other behavioral addictions are not behavioral addictions. It just means, so if you're 
researching your concerns. You know, maybe you've heard like, well, technically the only, you know, addiction or behavioral addiction is gambling addiction. That only means that we have only done enough research and case studies, et cetera, to come up with a very specific diagnostic criteria that we as a, as a or well, not we, but that the scientific community has collectively said, yes, these are the checkboxes in order to qualify for gambling addiction. However, medical professionals, doctors, counselors, et cetera, recognize that there are other behavioral addictions. So even if it's not in the DSM-5, it is still treatable, it is still recognized, and you can still get help for it. That's, I think, the most important thing you hit the nail on the head is that just because you may be suffering from an addiction that may not have a, an official diagnosis doesn't mean that you still can't get help and seek treatment for it and, and uh, you know, fight it essentially, you know, I, you know, you might Google what you think you have and it might, nothing might come back and you might think to yourself, Oh, well then I'm hopeless or I'm helpless or nobody can help me then because it's not officially right. No, no, no. You, you can get, if you, if you want help, you can get help. And right. that's regardless of whether it's officially recognized or not. We're talking about the key ones here and the ones that are very common, but technically anything that you do regularly, that's giving your brain that dopamine that you start becoming obsessed with, that starts interfering with your life, any behavior can qualify as an addiction. There are even studies that they're trying to do on, you know, like the workaholic and what that looks like. So, I mean, I don't want to, that's a whole tangent, but that, you know, again, everything in moderation. And you brought up gambling addiction specifically, and that that's kind of a perfect little segue into our, our into our uh, news related topic as we tie yeah. everything together here with behavioral addiction today. So on May twenty fifth, the U uh, USA Today came out with a really interesting and great article um, that kind of ties into a little bit in terms of behavioral addiction. The title of the article was "Sports Betting's Sports Betting's Rise Is a Cash Cow." Are states doing enough to curb gambling addiction? And basically, it was a story about how prior to five years ago, if you wanted to legally bet on a sporting event, you could basically only do it if you were in a casino in Las Vegas. Now, obviously, that didn't stop people from finding other ways to bet on sports because, once again, if you're wanting to do it bad enough, you'll find ways. So whether they yeah, were I using didn't know that at all, they were using offshore websites or bookies in a back alley or, you know, just making bets with their friends. You know, I mean, it's it's there there were ways to go about doing it. But five years ago, uh, it became legal to place bets, sports bets in, in outside of Las Vegas. And so today, currently, 33 states plus Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico have legalized sports betting. Jess and I are both located in Florida. Florida is one of the few states at the moment that does not have legalized sports betting. So Jess and I are not able to fire up an app or go to the casino and place a bet on the heat game, you know, from the other well, night or whatever. But considering I didn't even know who or what sport the Florida Panthers were until like recently, <laughs> I probably am not the person to be placing sports. Yeah, well, so. but that's just I'm just letting people know that <laughs> we, know, we happen just... to live in a state. It's not currently uh, legal to place a sports bet in. But so this article. uh presented some amazing facts that even me, who is a big sports nerd and has placed my fair share of sporting bets uh, in my life, did not necessarily know about this stuff. So just a couple quick uh, one-hitter facts here for you. So according to the American Gambling Association, 39.2 million people 
placed at least one sports bet in the last 12 months. Which is just, I mean, think about wow. you know, the amount of people in this country and you think about that number, which is pretty crazy. On top of that, though, a November 2022 Harris poll found that 71% of people that bet on sports bet on a sporting event at least one time a week, while roughly 20% bet at least one sporting event a day. <laughs> For those what? of you who are listening to this, Jess's jaw literally dropped <laughs> as she became speechless by that one. So, yeah. That one was also a pretty crazy one. I'll, I'll give you another one. Since May, according to, once again, the American Gambling Association, since May of 2018, just of May of 2018, so we're talking three years essentially, over $200 billion has been wagered in the United States just legally through sports books. So we're not even talking about the people that still chose to, still choose to whether, because they live in a state that doesn't allow it or they still choose to go to their bookie do offshore betting. So we're talking about just people who placed a legal sports bet in this country in the last three years. $200 billion have been wagered. I wonder, too, how that has been impacted by the pandemic and if that increased the number or even decreased the number because so people were stuck inside and it stuff. It did. It did. That, that played a large... So they have... Depending on your source and who you listen to... Uh, there has been some boom, you could say, just like a lot of other things in life. The pandemic brought on, not in the early days, because in the early days, there was literally nothing to bet on because there were no sports anywhere in the world. But as sports started to come back in other countries or, you know, the NBA went into their little bubble or the NHL went into their little bubble and sporting events started to happen again. Yeah, basically, as people were sitting at home with nothing else to do, if they lived in a state where they could legally bet, a lot of people were like, I need to do something to entertain myself. And so... That was one outlet that a lot of people uh, did take. And unfortunately, though, and that, that's a good tie-in, because unfortunately what this article also discussed was despite this betting boom over the last five years or three years or since COVID, um, experts are saying that, that there is a lack of attention being paid to problem gambling and gambling addiction, not just by the operators of these sports books but by the local and state governments of these states that are allowing sports betting. So I'm sure everyone, including yourself, who's even not a big sports person, has probably seen these ads for FanDuel or DraftKings or BetMGM sure. or any of these on TV. Yeah. And they always give you that 1-800 number at the bottom and say, if you're having trouble, call, you know, 1-800, you know. Unfortunately, the problem with those 1-800 numbers is, yes, while they do exist, there often isn't enough funding to properly man the lines. So it's not... Oh, wow. getting the proper funding to run it at a, at a max capacity or run at the capacity that should have. And that once again ties back to whether the gambling operators themselves aren't contributing enough money or the states. Now, this is an interesting dynamic too, because if you think about it, these operators, they're in the business of making money off of gambling. So in theory, why are they going to want to tell you to stop? So wow. where I yeah, feel like this- interesting. So while, yes, you might say, okay, but they want to do good deeds, I think the bigger issue is is where that really falls on the, the plate of, so to say, is the state and local governments in these states that are allowing it. Because obviously, okay, that's great. You want to allow it as a state because you're going to be able to reap the benefits of getting taxes, tax money from it and, and receiving more money as a state, which you can use for great, important projects, schools, roads, all these things. But at the same time... Mm. 
if you're yeah. going what are you to doing accept to help it, people? if you're going to accept doing this because you want the money, you also have to understand that you then have an obligation to make sure that, that, that remind people to practice safe gambling, essentially, as weird as that sounds. And if they're not, provide them a resources so they can get the help that they need. Right. Right. Yeah, because so it's interesting because for the website right now, we're um, I'm editing a few pages from one of our writers, Amanda. She's fabulous. Um, and it's, she's actually working on the gambling addiction uh, sub pages. And it's just so interesting reading the different things about, you know, how gambling can be so addictive because of the way it is designed. You know, it, it's really for for people, you know, going in, they they place a bet. And then it's it's that big win and you get that rush of, of adrenaline and dopamine. That's what you get addicted to. And it's so and then, easy to do. And we're seeing that according to the National Council of Problem Gambling, we're seeing that a lot within younger people, specifically between the ages of 18 and 24. They're at a higher risk of developing gambling problems because A, uh, their brains aren't fully developed. Science would tell us that your brain doesn't become fully developed till 25. And also, many of them are going into this saying to themselves, I'm going to make money doing this. So they kind of expect it. And when they don't make money, they obviously want to keep pushing and keep trying to make their money. Uh, we, we talked about how you know, there might not be enough uh, education available or enough resources available for those struggling. Uh, one thing I did want to point out is FanDuel, who is one of the top um, sports betting apps in the country, they actually do have a feature on their app that will tell a user the amount of time they have been logged in for, and during that time period when they've been logged in, how much money they have wagered during that time period. So at least it's alerting people and saying, hey, look, you've been on this app for six straight hours, and over the six straight hours, you've gambled $5,000, you know, just, just so you know what you're doing, you know? Right. So that while that's not basically saying to them in big, bold letters, hey, you have a problem because you can't really say that because for that person, $5,000 might be $5 for you. I mean, sure. everyone has different you know, amounts of money they're comfortable gambling, different financial situations. But what it does just say to them is, hey, you've been on the app for this amount of time and this is how much you've been gambling while you've been on it. So, right. Well, because that's, that's an issue too with gambling is you, know, you spend, you bet this and you bet this and you're winning and losing. And then, so the number keeps changing and evidently it's, it's, I'm not, I don't gamble at all. And so evidently it's easy to not realize how much you've actually spent. So that's an interesting feature that it actually shows you the data. So absolutely. And once again, perfect segue again, you're killing on these segues today. That actually all right. brings up uh, a memory, psychic. I guess you could say that, that I have, um, I actually, in my younger years, we talk about how between those ages of 18 and 24, you're more susceptible to uh, gambling problems. So when I turned 18, I actually developed a gambling problem pretty, pretty quickly uh, okay. shortly after turning 18. And a lot of it was centered around the fact that you're, you're, the amounts between what you're gambling and making and losing are constantly going up and down, and I wasn't properly keeping track of that. And as a result of that, that's what led to me getting into some gambling and financial problems that uh, wow. that as an 18-year-old definitely, uh, I don't want to say scared me straight, but uh, was definitely quite the eye-opening experience as an 18-year-old you know, freshman in college. Can I put you on the hot seat for a minute and ask you a couple questions? 
Yeah. So I mean, we did it with the, we did it with the, a couple episodes ago. Let's yeah, uh, let's do it again. <laughs> it's just <laughs> becoming like Dan in the hot seat. He's getting quizzed. He's getting interviewed. <laughs> um, but wow, that's I didn't realize that until I saw that in the post production notes, and I intentionally just didn't read any further. Um, not post production, pre production, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> um, you mentioned that it was poker. Was it a particular kind of poker? Uh, Texas, Texas te yeah, it was Texas. That was this so was popular. So this was we're talking we're talking 2005. So this was coming off of that big boom when ESPN started yep. airing the World Series of Poker and Chris Moneymaker and everyone and their mother it seemed to be was watching it. And I remember actually, uh, basically teaching myself how to play the game watching the watching those episodes on TV because I was like obsessed with. I liked playing poker anyway, but I just I became obsessed with that Texas Hold'em game and the lights and the glitz and the glamour of it being on TV and it was so cool and right. yeah so I it was it was, seeing, it was hold'em I'm I remember seeing like that was the big thing all my friends were really into it and they would oh we're gonna go to the casino you know because right we were all like freshly we're about the same age and so you know we were like freshly 18 and we could do all these things and that and even at that time was... and even at that time in Florida poker was legal you could go to the dog track or the the hard rock or the 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 horse track or the, any any of the like paramutual places and you could go and play they had poker rooms so i mean it was not like you know we talk about how sports betting is not legal here but card games are and they have been i'm pretty pretty much everywhere in the country for a long time now separate from uh more traditional casino games or sports betting interesting so for you what was what was the initial appeal was it um, do you think it was a combination of things like you're 18 and Texas Hold'em or do you think you were influenced because you're you know you've been a sports guy for a lot of your life and it was on sports channel so from a young age I enjoyed um, the prospect of casino games I learned how to play blackjack when I was a kid I learned how to play poker when I was a kid and you know you think about back for most people when you're a kid you know you might be sitting at the dinner table you know on a Friday night with your family and you, you know you, the cards come out and you guys you know yep. and you're but you're not playing for anything. You're playing for maybe pennies or you're playing for chocolate chip cookie. You know, I mean, there's no actual real financial stakes at hand. You're just playing because it's a fun family thing to do. But uh, in my household in particular, uh, there was I enjoyed um, the concept of casino games. I enjoyed watching blackjack or poker or playing it for not, for little amounts of money or craps. Or my, my dad um, was big into horse racing and he taught me at a young age you know about how to handicap horse racing and he would take me to the dog track and he'd take me to highlight it was just it was fun things when i was a kid to just watch and enjoy so it was yeah it was then, like a game really there was but no... then i turned 18 and all of a sudden it went from oh i enjoy watching this to oh wait i can actually take my knowledge and take everything that i've learned and actually maybe make a couple bucks now doing this and actually have have Instead of just watching it or playing it for fun, now I can actually play it for real. Like I can, there are actually real stakes involved. I can actually do this like an adult would because now I'm 18. Society. So there was tells definitely me that appeal, that 18 so, year old, like yeah. I'm going to do this because you're I'm 18. 18. Society tells me I'm an adult. These yeah. gambling facilities tell me that I am legally allowed to now come in and participate for real instead of just watching from behind the glass. So let's go and give it a try. And so I did too. So how how long of a period of time was was it that you were doing this? And then how long would you say that it was 
problematic or was it just like a one night like oh no yeah. kind of a thing? so it was the entire christmas break my freshman year of college i came home for christmas break my freshman year because my freshman year i was living in the dorms so you know when you live in the dorms when the schools shut down for holidays you got to get out they they, yeah. they kick you out so i came home um and it was the first time i had been back home for more than like a couple days since I had turned 18 because I have a summer birthday. So when I started, when I went off to, to college, I was still 17. So it's the first time I had come back home when I, after turning 18, where I was here for more than like, you're here for a couple of days during Thanksgiving, you're coming for a week. Like I, college um, Christmas break is several weeks long. It's pretty much about a month, I want to yeah, say. At least. I feel like it was yeah. about a month when I was in college. I don't know what it is now, but. I know, so same I, for me. I was essentially home for four weeks with nothing really to do. As weird yeah, as that, that sounds, like yeah, I mean, eighteen-year-old stamp on you. I mean, to, yeah, like... there there are things to do, but to you know, to an extent, it's like I'm eighteen, but I'm back home, so it's not like when, not like being back up in college and having a college bars where you can do, you know, I can't go out and do some of the stuff that you might have done back when you were in college in the local college bars, you know. So there's only right. so many things as an eighteen-year-old you could do back home, even hanging out with people. There's only so many things, you know, being in South Florida, you know, you go to the beach or bowling or go to the mall i don't know so right, but it was the a movies yeah. yeah it gets old and you've got a fresh shiny new thing that you but can not only do. that but come come nighttime come the evening time you can't go to the bars like you would when you're in college because you're 18 they're not gonna let you in so there's only so many things at night you could do well the poker room was open at night and at night is when most people were playing because the people that had jobs during the day they would go play poker after work so it's like oh seven eight o'clock rolls around it's like well, let me go up and play some poker because that's where that's when everyone's there, so that's when it's the most fun. You got the most action, the most chance to, you know, maybe make a couple bucks. And so it, it was a it was over that period of those three to four weeks essentially where everything wow. kind of so what was got your, out of hand. What was your aha pump the brakes moment? Uh so it actually happened after I left and went back up to school. Um because I was a freshman in college and I didn't have a permanent mailing address because I was in the dorms, my mail was still coming to my parents' house. And I got a call from my mom one day because in the mail, my bank had sent me an overdraft notification for my bank account that I had, my checking account that I had overdrafted. Um, and she By got a that. Lot. Well, for a college kid, it was about two grand. So think about when you were 18 years old. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe I, once again, like we talked about the other stuff, there are, there are certain things that you kind of just, Let's just say for the sense of the story, it was two grand. I feel like that's what it was, but it was a lot of money for a college kid. It was definitely- right. We're know, talking, yeah, it yeah. wasn't the $5, you know- We're talking, oh, it's not yeah. enough that I could just call, just say, hey, mom, I'll, I'll send you a check in the mail to cover that, you know, no problem. I'll talk to you next right. week. So she called me because it said to her, you're overdrafted by this amount of money. Um, and so in my household growing up, I we my brother and I lived in the type of household where it was if you kept up your good grades and you didn't do bad things you didn't have to get a job when you were in high school because my parents were of the mindset of I we'd rather you focus on your schooling and not have to worry about holding down a job and doing all these things so I had worked I had done like summer jobs and worked you know in the summertime and whatnot but basically it was hey you overdrafted by two grand and you're paying that back like now you better go get a job. And so wow. for the first time, essentially in my, in my life, I was now having to scramble and find a job during an, the academic school year 
And on top of that, we're talking, I'm 18. I don't have any experience. I don't have really any experience because I didn't do that job when I was 16 at the grocery store or at the mall or whatever, you know, so I nothing. So it's like, I got to go find something now to make wow. money. I'm going to basically be making minimum wage because what have I done with my life in my life so far? You know, basically nothing. Um, and I got to pay this back. And now all of a sudden now my weekends that we were having fun hanging out with people are now I'm like, oh, I've got <laughs> to go to, no, now I've got to go to work. Right. <laughs> like Dang. I go back to school and up until then, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, you go out, it's like, let's go. Well, no, now I've got to work to pay this, this debt off, essentially. Did it take you a long time to pay it off? I don't remember. Once again, on top of the, you know, we talk about, we, we kind of block things out. We're also talking about, you know, December oh, 2005, January 2006. So we're in 2023. So, I mean, I just have bad right. memory now, too. I mean, we're right. talking a at long this time point, ago. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, so I don't exactly remember how long it took me to pay it off. But, yeah, um, I don't particularly like to use the term scared straight because I feel like it makes light of people situations and some people it takes a lot more to kind of get them um i will say that uh, after several years of basically being afraid to do any sort of gambling um i now have a little i, I now do have a healthier relationship uh with gambling again um Ooh. some people i'd be lying if i i'd be lying if i said that if i'm going to be, go somewhere where i know i'm going to be somewhere where gambling is available to me uh, I won't take a credit or debit card with me. Uh, if it's locally, I'll just leave it at home or I'll leave it in the car and I'll just have whatever cash I'm willing because that's what that's what did it for me. We talk about not being able to not properly keeping track of how much you were doing. So like I go and play for 20 bucks and I'd lose that 20 bucks and I'd go to the ATM and pull out another 20. And then uh... at the end of the night, I might leave with 25 bucks and be like, oh, yeah, well, cool. But not think about the fact that I actually spent $40 that night to only have 25 if that makes sense yes. so yeah i won't i won't take a debit or credit That's card with smart, me though. if i'm yeah. going somewhere locally like i said leave it in the car obviously like i'm a big fan of going on cruises and cruises obviously have casinos so that's the type of thing where before i even leave i will say okay i am taking this amount of cash with me for the casino and if it's gone slash when it's gone that's, that's it it's it. gone and so right. basically you know Every night I'll, I mean, I'll spend this amount of money, and if I spend that amount of money and lose it, and I decide to go back to the room and get more, well, then guess what? The next night I'm just don't get to do anything. You know, so it's just it's. I'm much more conscious about it now. I think things through much better now because also, once again, we talked about brain development. An 18 year old brain versus a 35 year old brain, you're going to have more of that mindset. So now it's. You also have more responsibilities now, you know, you got to. But I also had that moment in 18 to kind of say, hey, look, you can't do this. You can't just, <laughs> right. you can't Hello, just, Dan. You can't yeah. just go and keep taking more money out and think nothing's going to happen. You got to keep track of what you're spending and know the potential consequences that it has and only gamble what you can afford to lose. Don't ever assume you're going to make a dollar. Assume you're going to lose everything you spend that night. But in the same way as other forms of entertainment, whether it's going to the movies or buying your Zelda game like you have to remind you have to treat it like it's a form of entertainment and that great if you win some money that night that's fantastic but you can't go in assuming I'm going to win money night because that's how yeah. then you end up continuing to keep chasing and you're like I need more money so I can get that money back now Got it. and that's yeah, where things that's... can spiral out of control 
very, very quickly. That's interesting. Like, well, because um, I went to Vegas some years ago. It was actually around Thanksgiving for um, my father-in-law's birthday. We had a lot of fun. And of course, Vegas is known for its casinos, right? And I've never really enjoyed gambling. It just does not give me the brain happy juice, really. Um, but I can certainly see how it would feel to like, oh, you finally win. Um, for me, there's there's a lot of stress involved. But anyway, my point was that the tip that you just shared about, you know, have a certain set uh, or set amount of money ahead of time is something that even my in-laws said when we went, they were like, yeah, well, you know, we'll do the penny slots. And we always, you know, we set aside our gambling money. And it was, again, you set aside cash or whatever, and you make up your mind ahead of time what you're going to spend. And for me, it was like, oh, I'll spend like 20 bucks max. And that was it, you know, and we did the penny slots and just sat there and, and you know, had fun at the slot machines, really. But, but again, like have a plan ahead of time, I think can help prevent somebody from getting kind of sucked in like you were, you know? Oh, listen, I, and I can tell you too. I mean, my, my wife does not mind when I do gamble. She obviously knows my story. So, you know, she. Right. Well, that's know, good. But yeah. Um, but like we'll go on, you know, like we'll go on a cruise or like she'll she thinks gambling is stupid. Like she'll be I like, too. <laughs> she'll she'll straight up be like, this is stupid. And yeah, so she might she might do the same thing like you do. She might just go like I'll give her like maybe a 20 or whatever. Or she'll take a couple bucks out and basically go to like penny or the nickel slots and then she'll lose it. And then she'll be like, this is stupid. Why did I do dumb. this? Like this is just dumb. Exactly. What I tell people is like, I'm not going to pay to play cards. I can just do that for free. And if I'm going to be putting coins in a machine, I'd better be getting a snack. You know, like that's <laughs> that's how I feel about it. But I still went and and you know did it to do it to be a good sport. But but that's again that's that's me. That's my brain. You know, well, humans for are... a lot of. And I know we're not really much in the way of drinkers, so for us it doesn't even kind of really. Uh, well, you specific. I know you know. I mean, I I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, so that's how these a lot of these casinos will get you too because they'll say hey if you come in and start playing with us we'll give you free drinks they just so like, yeah if you that sit stunned here, me if you, these waitresses if you sit coming here, around like what do you want and and then so it's like, like if yeah, you sit free. here yeah it's like if you sit here all night we're just going to keep pumping you full of alcohol and it's like well this is you know this this is great and it's like well until it's not yes but. would you say before we wrap up i just i'm curious would you say that you were addicted or do you think that you were just in a maybe a slide perhaps so the fact that the fact that i can go now and and place a sports bet or or go to you know do something i don't think i was i think i just spiraled very very quickly i think my eyes got really big because i turned 18 and finally could do this legally so you and just went a was in a wild perfect storm situation where i basically had a month at home to kill and now you're telling me i can go do this and it was just like and you killed it <laughs> <laughs> and I was 18 and I was like, I, I just, I feel like I need to hammer home the fact that like I was 18, like think about the dumb stuff we did when we were 18. Like my eyes got really big and you're telling me I can go do this. And it's like, I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. And yeah, so um, I don't, the only reason why I would say I don't think I was addicted to it was because I can now do it again in a much more responsible manner. Uh, once again, not to make light of the situation, but I feel like the fact that I can go do it and then and then walk away from the table in 20 minutes if I'm not having fun anymore instead of trying to press. I feel like that's a sign that maybe um, I didn't right. have Everything as big of a problem as, as others might. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Once again, Thank you. As we start off, you're talking about everything in moderation. Like I, I can do it in moderation now. So I feel like because of I can, uh, I think it was just a matter of um, 
spiraling very much out of control very, very quickly and not having the wherewithal to be able to stop it. Right. And until the fact it was too that, late. You know, you had your wake up call, um, or, you know, some people call it rock bottom, et cetera. I think in some instances, you know, had that not been enough, had you continued, or if you were unable to self moderate, those are all indicators that there's a deeper problem and you know you can get you can get help there are, there's and you don't have to like go to rehab you can but you know there's therapy there's self-help groups there's you know support groups all kinds of stuff that you can do if, if you're somebody that you're like oh, I'm listening to this podcast and this sounds freakishly familiar I feel trapped in this behavior almost you know even I, even reddit they even have yeah. forums on on reddit where like people are supporting each other and I, I do think that I was really fortunate as well, the timing of it all, because I had to go back to school mm, and then I couldn't out of keep the doing it because then once I went back to school, I didn't have a poker room five minutes down the road for me anymore. And I was a kid too. So I had right. my parents to kind of bail me out, so to say, and help me out. Like if that had happened now, I can't just call the credit card company this month and say, or my mortgage company and say, Hey, you know. I lost I, a bunch of money, lost a bunch of money at the poker table last week, so I can't exactly pay my bill. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, no right. problem. Just pay it when you can. Well, did uh, you learn your lesson? Yeah, exactly. So uh, once again, you know, we talk about situations and environments. and I think that I was incredibly fortunate that uh, it happened when it did and it happened the way it did. And I had supporting parents who kind of helped while while tell, reminding me and telling me that it wasn't okay and I was very much responsible for paying it all back that they helped me uh, as far as uh, paying it off before you know the debt continued to get bigger from right. interest rates or you know anything anything else that, that could have made it even worse right cool thanks for sharing I appreciate you you know letting me grill you once again no, I mean, l listen, we, we talk about it all the time. If if even one person listening to an episode of ours, something clicks in their head and they're like, I should go look into this or go get help or go talk to somebody, then sharing my story makes it all the more worth it. So I'm I'm always happy to share it for the greater good of of this podcast and of, of the listeners. Same. But as I'm looking at the time here, it looks like we are getting close to the end of today's show. So on that note, we will go ahead and wrap it up. If you liked what you heard today, uh, like, like, subscribe, rate, review. I said in the beginning, we'll say it here again. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, if you're watching it on YouTube, you know, leave some comments, leave some notes. Uh, you know, just tell us, tell us if you're enjoying it or not. Uh, I continue to get great feedback personally. Now, outside of the, the realm of the podcast, uh, I know you do too, Jess, because we're always sharing. People are like, oh my gosh, this is great. So. Thank, thank you to everyone for continuing Which, to tell honestly, us. Honestly, if great. that's our audience, sick. I'm here. Yeah, right. It. Let's go. <laughs> so, um, and and just touched on it a few minutes ago, but also just a reminder to everyone, like we like to do every week, if you or a loved one is struggling with substance abuse, addiction, or mental health, whether it's officially recognized, <laughs> uh, we don't. As I'm flinging around and the, the, the microphone's going <laughs> everywhere, uh, whether it's officially recognized or not, if you want to talk to somebody or seek help please do so obviously that's, right. that's that's the most important thing to do is that you're happy and you're healthy and you're enjoying your life in any and, way possible so and i like that you also mentioned loved ones because if you are someone who is in a relationship with or friends with family members with someone that's dealing with a behavioral addiction there are also resources for you that you know if you need somebody to talk to 
people that understand what you're going through, you know, that can be a very complicated and difficult position to be in. So, you know, this is for you too. There's Absolutely. You because too. the, the more you can learn about what your family member or loved one is going through, the more help that you can be to them, whether directly or indirectly. So absolutely. It's, it's yeah. always good to, it's always good to just kind of, as we talk about technical terms, it's always good to know things in life, <laughs> but there are some great resources available out there. Uh, should you want to learn more information or should you be interested in getting help for yourself or a loved one? Findtreatment.gov is a great place to find treatment options in your area. The Substance Abuse and Mental Services Administration has a toll-free helpline uh, that they can provide more information to you, tell you about treatment options in your area. Just be there if you need someone to talk to as well, too. And that phone number is 1-800-662-4357. Once again, 1-800-662-4357. And then, of course, addictionhelp.com, where you can find all of Jess's great work she's doing and all the technical terms that she doesn't use here that she uses over there Very at addictionhelp.com. Right. Uh, she also mentioned Amanda, uh, who's another great writer for addictionhelp.com, who's also doing some great work and providing some great resources and guides and, and information for everyone out there. Cool. Uh, but that will wrap it up for today's episode. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. Have a great week, everyone. Okay.